Life is not good, everybody. It's not good. So I'm not going to come on here and begin this show with what's good. Uh, but I will begin the show in saying welcome to another episode of the Until I Can Tell You is podcast presented by Manscaped with your, your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, as we recap everything that occurred in Super Bowl 56 all over the good, the bad, and the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line from Super Bowl 56. I will, of course, address it uh, from a Cincinnati Bengals and a Cincinnati Bengals fan perspective, which is the number one element that you guys, the you know, the 15 loyal listeners of this uh, dopey show, care about is my opinion, my take on it from a Bengals perspective. I'll give you my takes on it, you know, neutral uh, from a Rams perspective in a little bit. I will uh, give you my two cents on um, on the referees, which I got a lot to say about them, and a couple of tidbits, halftime show, uh, the, the nine million celebrities that were at the game that bothered me. So uh, I will hit every nook and cranny and corner of a Super Bowl 56 as we close the chapter on a 2021 uh, NFL season. This feeling that I have felt since about a quarter to ten on Sunday night has got to be one of the worst feelings you can experience as a sports fan. It is a feeling that is it, 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 it's 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 indescribable how much how how this feeling feels. And I get it. I understand seasons of success. Nobody expected us to be here. Short turnaround. Worst the first. Bro coming off his ACL injury and comeback player of the year. And first full season in the NFL. He takes the Bengals to the Super Bowl. And we beat Kansas City twice in the same month when the AFC Championship took out the big bad Chiefs on the road at Arrowhead, which the only player ever to do that in the Mahomes era, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, you know, and, and that defense, 21-3, comeback. I get all of that. And none of that, and I'm not discarding any of that. I am not taking it. I am not uh, bypassing any of that because those are fair and accurate uh, points and and reasons for me as a long time Cincinnati Bengals fan to be proud of this team and to look at this season in the grand scheme of things as an overall success. You know the the the, the pressure was not on Cincinnati heading into this game. It was heading into Sunday's game. It was on the Rams. But having said all of that, this is a game and a result that I will n- no time soon get over. You know, if somebody were to ask me a question, you know, late Sunday night, uh, when do you, th- you as a fan, diehard fan, when will you get over this loss? My answer would be, when I will, I'll let you know. Because this is a loss that, it, it, it legit, legit, legit bothered me. It did, you know, and just the, just whole, how the game ended, it just, 
it left a very, very sour taste in my mouth. That that our tremendous season ended the way it did. It it, it did it didn't sit well with me. It didn't. And I and my immediate emotions and my immediate feelings after that game were anger, frustration, disappointment, while all being in a state of numbness. Because literally, because literally, it was like I was in a trance, going, "Did that really?" Especially like the first half hour, the first hour after the game was over, I I was like, "Did that? Did did that just happen? Like, did we really lose this game? Like, did did our season end like this? Are we really not winning the Super Bowl? Did did this really happen?" And I don't know if you guys saw it, but if you know, in case you wanted to see it, it's on my Twitter page at the J Shield. I tweeted out, um, you know, shout out to my brother who basically damn near recorded every uh, every move, every move, and every movement I made after the, you know during the sequence of that game on Sunday night. And he recorded essentially. He recorded me for two minutes and twenty seconds. Uh, I, I didn't even like tell him to do this. He took it upon himself to do it, but he recorded me for a, for a full two minutes and 20 seconds, uh, during Cincinnati's final offensive drive of, of the game. And you saw my reaction when, when, uh, when Burl got harassed and threw the ball short of P Ryan, you saw my reaction, my reaction, you know, it was a blank stare at the tele. It was a blank stare at the television uh, I didn't yell, I didn't scream, I didn't yell a cuss word, I didn't, you know, go crazy and go, oh, crap, oh, come on, or clap my hands, or, I didn't do anything, I stared at the TV for a good few seconds, turned my head, grabbed my phone, and looked at my Twitter mentions, and then, you know, had my AFC Championship hat on, threw it, you don't see this in the video, but kind of threw it down on the ground in disgust, Picked it up and walked to my room and essentially stayed there for the rest of the night. Uh, didn't see the trophy presentation. Don't care to. Didn't uh, see the, the you know, NBC, the five-minute. Apparently, they had like a very quick uh, five-minute post-game coverage. They couldn't. I didn't see it live, but I was told by, you know, social media and and of Chris Russo on his radio show on Monday that NBC apparently couldn't wait to get out of that post game to sing to the to those asinine Winter Olympics, but I didn't see no post game. I didn't stick around and watch the NFL, and I, and I don't care to see it. And I, you know, the game was over, and I was you know upstairs. You know, I'd had enough, and it's just like the fact that we were right there. We were right there. We had the lead heading into the fourth quarter, and we were up with 90 seconds left to go in the game. And the fact that we, in all intents and purposes, just pissed the lead down down our leg, it's going to bother me. It's going to bother me. It has bothered me. It's going to continue to bother me until Cincinnati gets back to a Super Bowl and wins it. Because the fact of the matter of it is, I understand great season and and the fact that we beat all expectations and defied all odds and everything else, at the same time, you, the Bengals, whether it sounds harsh or not, the Bengals left the championship on the table. They did. 
They had the lead heading into the fourth quarter, and they had the lead during their then they had the lead during the final sequence of that drive up twenty to sixteen. And I'll get to the refs in a minute, believe me. Uh but outside of the refs sticking their beaks into the game, Cincinnati couldn't get a stop. Couldn't get off the field on fourth and short. Cooper Cup converted on the end of round play. I mean, they 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 could not get they couldn't get off the field. They could not get off the field when it mattered the most. You know, you saw in the Chiefs game, because uh, clutch sack, the Hubbard had the clutch sack with Mahomes and forced the fumble. Uh, they, you know, the, the, the Jermaine Pratt clutch interception to close the deal against Vegas. Uh, Logan Wilson off the deflection, the clutch intercept, uh, interception against Tennessee. I mean, you go down. I mean, you go down the. You go down the. The Bengals defense all season long, when when the game was on the line and they had to make the stop the ice and seal the game, the Bengals defense, whether it be Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard at the pass rush, or Von Bell and uh, Von Bell or Wuzier or Logan Wilson or Pratt with a get with a momentum shifting or a game ending interception, I mean, you name it. You know, and the times where the Bengals defense needed to step up and put the game away, uh, they they did. They did, except for Sunday night, and you know that and that really has been an unspoken part of this of this game from a Cincinnati perspective is that defense played well up until the up the defense played well up until the fourth up until uh the Rams final drive of that game. They 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 played a fairly decent football game up until that final drive, but the thing that you know needs to be Hendrickson and Hubbard had a phenomenal season. The, the Cincinnati's pass rush one of the best in the sport. They did a fantastic job stopping a run, but during the final sequence of the Rams' final offensive drive of the game, when they needed to get home and, and get to Stafford and or force Stafford to make that patented uh, interception to uh to you know the coffin na- coffin and uh, you know uh the coffin nails um to seal the, the seal the Rams fate there was not a play to be made wasn't a play to be made and you know this this loss in some ways feels Worse, now, I understand it's an it would be an obvious losing a Super Bowl versus losing a playoff game, but this loss, you know, it feels about a million times worse than the Steelers loss did. I don't know whether it's because of the fact that I didn't expect them to make the Super Bowl. I know it's because of the fact that they've won a couple playoff games. So maybe it's the fact that the Bengals had overall success this season. You know, maybe you know I really I don't. Which is the re, it's the reason why that I probably am not as bitter or, or still have the, as much pain inside of me of that 2015 Steelers playoff loss, but. This is a loss that's going to bother me, and it stings. It still sucks. It is a terrible, horrible, rotten feeling as a as a longtime diehard fan of this football team. You know, knowing that you were right there, you had the championship within your within within reach, within your grasp, and the fact that it just uh, that you know that 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 they let it slip right through their fingers. It's it not it ain't gonna sit. It ain't gonna sit well with me. 
Didn't sit well with me Sunday night. Didn't sit well with me, especially waking up, getting out of bed, going to school with a snowstorm going on outside and 15 degree weather in Baltimore, let alone on my least favorite holidays of Valentine's Day, no less. It really, you know, it really, really bothered me to no end on Monday. Tuesday, it's a little, you know, it, with every passing day, you learn, like, you, you like, it's, it's, you live with it, and, like, you're still bothered by it, but it's, it's one of those situations where, where it, where it doesn't, where it's not on your mind, you know, every single second, 24-7. Mo for Monday, Monday, Sunday night into Monday morning, it was all I could think about. Like I, and it was so bad that Sunday night, and I knew win or lose that I wasn't gonna get much sleep Sunday night anyway. But I, but I said, but after the game Sunday night, you know, I tried to take my mind off of it. I didn't. I barely ate on. I barely ate Sunday. Barely, you know, had a bagel and a cup of coffee, you know, at, at church on Sunday morning. Did didn't eat anything for lunch. Did didn't eat anything before the game. Didn't did not eat anything during the game. Didn't you know? And didn't eat anything after the game for about a good hour and a half, two hours. Uh, and so I tried to, you know, watch something as I was eating a bowl of cereal at like, uh, about like one o'clock in the morning, uh, Eastern time. And I, I, I couldn't watch anything full house, you know, rest in peace. Bob Saget couldn't go the office, nothing YouTuber. One of my, you know, see if any of my YouTubers upload anything, nothing. Everybody loves, I literally could not watch anything. Non-football related stuff I, I couldn't sit down and watch it Because my brain was totally taken over By the events of that football game And I was so legit bothered And I still am But, you know, in the moment You know, that's, that's as annoyed as you're going to get You know, in the moment It's still fresh you know, knowing that the Rams are celebrating and Rams won Super Bowl and, and, and your team. Like, it, it, it literally consumed my mind. Consumed it. Like, all of my mental space in my brain from about a quarter to ten Sunday night till about maybe one, two o'clock Monday afternoon. Maybe a little, maybe a little uh, later than that. It was all I could think about. I, I, I could not take my mind off of it because th it's something. It's something I'm, that I'm not going to forget because it, it's just. And, and listen, if you're a fan of a team that's lost the Super Bowl, you know, you, you know, you're gonna, you know, exactly where I'm coming from with this. It's it's not a, it's not a fun feeling. It's not a fun feeling. It's not an easy feeling. It's. It, 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 no matter how good, no matter your ex, no matter uh, expectations heading into the season, uh, uh, you know, uh, none of that all out the window. You lose, you lose to the Super Bowl, especially when you had a lead late in the game, and and you're a, and the team that you're rooting against, you you know the, your favorite team's opponent in the game marches right down the field and uh, and scores a go ahead touchdown, and then of course Von Miller does what he does at the end to solidify your fate. It, it doesn't sit well with you. It doesn't, you know. And I, and somebody tweet and somebody tweeted at me. 
Um, somebody tweeted at me, you know, saying, well, you know, that's, you know, how it feels, you know, wh- at least you guys didn't get, get blown out 45 to three, whatever it was. And I replied, I said, getting beat 45 to three is better than this. Cause 45 to three is all right. Great season. They obviously were a better team. Like you accept your fate earlier in the game and it's not as heartbreaking. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to go out there after the Super Bowl and say, "Yeah, we got our teeth kicked into the biggest game of the year," but it's easy. It's easier to handle and manage as a fan. As a fan, seeing them have the lead, they were competitive. It was a close game all the way through, as I predicted, and for them to come with an oh so close of winning their first Super Bowl championship. It's it's not it ain't gonna sit well, especially especially with the diehard fan. It won't. Now maybe in that situation you lose forty five to three. The fans handle it better than the players do because the players who are out there getting paid don't want to get embarrassed on national television. Meanwhile, the fans it's easy. It's an easier, you know, you get you let down more easier losing a blowout game like that than than the heartbreaking loss. And then of course with the heartbreaking loss, especially from Cincinnati's perspective. The players handle it a little bit better because it's like, hey, we had a great season. Nobody expected us to be here. We gave it our all. We, you know, we didn't leave anything. You know, we gave it our hundred ten percent effort. We didn't leave anything out there on the field. Blah 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 blah. But the fans, it, it's it's like swallowing a rock, essentially. And you know, I'm 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 never I'm not I'm never going to get over it. Not anytime soon. I'm not. I mean, I was miserable. Miserable. And and again, a feeling of sadness, anger, frustration, and was just in a you know how I said, you know, after the after the Titan game and after the Chief game I was in an utter state of euphoria. Well after Sunday's game, I was in an utter state of uh numbness and, and a state in a in a state of shock. No, no, I shouldn't say in a state of shock, but in a state of numbness. Because they blew it. I understand great season, but they blew it. Chips are, when the chips are down, their back was up against the wall, you know, with a lead, let's not forget that either, with a lead, up beginning of the fourth quarter, up in the final 90 seconds of the game, and they, for lack of a better expression, pissed down the leg. I understand great season, and they got nothing to be ashamed of, and I get that. Both things can be true at the same time. The Bengals can also have a hell of a season, season be an accomplishment, team and the team itself, the coaches, the players, and the fans have a lot to be proud of and have a bright future and can walk away from this game optimistic. That also can be true, along with the fact that the Bengals, they, 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 they blew the game. They flat out, up and down, blew the game. They blew it. And they bungled and choked. I hate using that word again, but it is what it is. You know, that's for the most part, that's been a history. That's been the unfortunate history of the franchise that no Bengal fan likes to admit, likes to say out loud, but it's the truth. You know, they bungled and blew a lead at the worst possible time. 
The defense could not. Their defense couldn't get a stop at the worst possible time. Their pass rush with Hendrickson and Hubbard could not get home and sack Matthew Stafford, get hits on Stafford at the worst possible time. The defense couldn't force turnovers at the worst possible time. Their offense couldn't move the ball downfield and get a, and and get a clutch uh, uh, receptions from Uzama Boyd. You know, Jamar Chase at the worst possible time. The offensive line couldn't hold up and do its part and block at the worst possible time. And they blew the game, plain and simple. They blew it. Seasons of success. Seasons of success, but they blew the game. They blew it. They had a Super Bowl championship right there on the right there for the taking, and they left it on the table. It sounds harsh. But that, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. That's how professional sports work. They left it. They left the championship on the table, and the fact that they had the lead late in the game, the way they did, and the fact that it seemed like everything was going their way, from the fact that the place was about 65 percent Bengals fans, Odell went out of the game early with an injury. They couldn't. The Rams couldn't run the ball worth the crap. McVay stayed hell bent on. Trying to run the football with the Rams offense. Rams got Rams defense got duped by a trick play, the quote unquote Cincy special. The, the Joe Mixon touchdown pass to T. Higgins. T. Higgins with that 75 yard touchdown reception coming out of halftime to begin the third quarter. I mean, everything it looked like was going Cincinnati's way in this game. You know, staff with the two interceptions. It seems like it was destiny that we're finally going to get the monkey off our back and win this game. And then the offense got the offense was stagnant. Defense couldn't get a stop. Throwing Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup going into takeover mode, and the Rams are your Super Bowl champions. You know, it's just I hate saying it, but it is what it is. You know the, the 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 offensive line was just absolutely atrocious in the first half, or excuse me, in the second half. You know, uh, drop Burrow dropped back the pass twelve times in the third quarter. He got sacked five times out of those dropbacks. The five sacks in that third quarter were the are the most in a single quarter in Super Bowl history. Uh, he got Burrow got sacked seven times in the game, uh, tying a record set by Roger Staubach in Super Bowl ten. Um, it's, I mean, and the off and the offensive and the thing that also was killer too, that the offensive line was not bad. If anything, they were, they were pretty freaking great in the first half of that game. Pretty good. I mean, what Aaron, Aaron Donald and the Rams pass rush got to Joe Burrow. What? Maybe one time in the first half. They, they, they barely touched them, barely touched them, barely breathed on them. And then. Third quarter happens. Joe Burrow runs out of the pocket. It's a vicious, violent shove. I, you know, maybe I'm partial. I might have would have thrown the flag, but it, but I saw a little bit of intent behind Aaron Donald's shove because again, you could feel that you could feel all the momentum was on Cincinnati's side. The Rams were starting to unravel, and the Bengals were about a touchdown or two away from pulling ahead and running away with this game. Aaron Donald, who up until up until that little fiasco near the Cincinnati sidelines, didn't do a damn thing all night. Uh, Cincinnati had all the answers for him, was frustrated, pissed off, bothered as hell, saw Joe Burrow racing down the sideline and violently and, and, and roughly violently shoved him out of bounds. What I, and I'm not going to – now you can sit here and say, well, they poked the bear. 
Well, that's that's the situation. If you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if because if the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line doesn't stick up for Burrow in that sequence, then everybody's killing the Bengals offensive line for uh, you know you know for not uh, sticking up for their franchise quarterback. Well, what happens? They you know they take exception to Donald Shove. They go out there and start a little brouhaha. One player tries to pull Aaron, Aaron Donald's move and try to choke the life out of him grabbing him by his throat, and then next thing you know, Aaron Don- the switch turns on Aaron Donald's mind, goes into takeover mode, and and just wrecks havoc the entire game, the you know the rest the rest of the game in the second half. But the offensive line was a bunch of turnstiles in the in the second half. Bro got sacked seven times. Offensive drive stalled. You know, I've said it at infinitum. I said it after the Raider game. I said it after the Titan game. I said it after the the Chief game. It's been a theme all playoff long, and it's bothered me, albeit throughout this magical run that they've been on the last three games, is that the thing that concerns me with Cincinnati is that they, that they have not been able or weren't able to put the ball in the end zone and score, and score touchdowns taking advantage of getting major points off a of team's turnovers. You know, w- winning the turnover battle, that's great. Forcing interceptions and, ta- and takeaways, that's fantastic. But that's only half the job if the offense gets the ball back, especially with the short field, and does nothing with it but muster up a lousy mere three points. Especially if you're in, a, especially if in the stages and the sequence of the game where you're only up a point or, you, or, or you're only up a field goal or up a touchdown. Ten points is, is is a different animal than fourteen. It's just bottom line. Being up six is a different animal than being up three. You know they couldn't put the ball in the end zone off of, off of uh, you know when Trey Hendrickson strip sacked Derek Carr in the wild card game. It was recovered by Larry Ogunjobi. They couldn't put the ball in the end zone coming off of that turnover. They couldn't put the ball in the end zone on multiple occasions in the Titan game. The Jesse Bates, uh, the Jesse Bates interception, the first play from scrimmage. The Mike Hilton, inter- the Mike Hilton interception uh, off of Ryan Tannehill on the screen pass. They Burrow turned the football because Shamaji Piran couldn't catch the damn thing, but they turned over the football right. Right back to Tennessee, about a play or two after Mike Hilton on a tremendous read on a screen pattern, got an interception in, a, in Ryan Tannehill's second reception in the Titan game. And then you go ahead and you look at the Kansas City game. They couldn't put the ball in the end zone off of uh, off of B.J. Hill's uh, deflection interception right into his right into his uh, hands. I mean, they couldn't put the ball in the end zone off of turnovers in their last three playoff games. And, you know, I understand that, you know, it was like, well, you know, they got away with it. You know, they're in the Super Bowl. They won a conference. But to win the Super Bowl, you got to be able to score points off of turnovers. You have to. It's imperative. You must. You can't, you can't put the ball in the end zone and score touchdowns off of opposing teams' mistakes. You're not, you're not going to win too many football games. You're not going to win too many playoff games. And you damn sure ain't going to win a whole lot of uh, Super Bowl championships. Just, it's just the way it is. And it's funny, you know, unlike the Titan game where Joe Burrow got sacked nine times and and they since they won the turnover battle, well they won the turn, well they they still ended up winning that football game because tail of the tape, you know, c- compare and contrast, even even getting sacked nine times, Joe Burrow is better than than uh, Matthew Stafford or Matthew Stafford, better than uh, Ryan Tannehill. 
Now, the crazy thing is the Bengals turned over, did turn over the football and got sacked two more times in the Titan game than they did in the did they did on than they did on Sunday. Yet they won that game, and on Sunday they they had played a clean game, no turnovers. Burrow got sacked two less times, and unlike the Titan game, a large chunk, about ninety percent of those seven sacks. Burrow suffered in uh, in the second half, in the second half after the T Higgins touchdown to open up uh, the to open up the third quarter. Ninety uh, percent of those sacks happened in the second half rather than the Titan game. It was it was just the Titans defense teeing off on Joe Burrow right from the opening quarter. You know, I I mean, who remembers Collinsworth? You know, middle middle of the second, late third quarter, go ahead and you know go to one of the replays and say, you know, we haven't talked about Aaron Donald, we haven't called Aaron Donald's name a lot tonight. I guarantee you, he's probably frustrated because in and and as the and as Collinsworth saying at the replay and plays of how Cincinnati, you know, is just stopping Aaron Donald well in his tracks, whether it's running the football with Mixon or when Joe Burrow dropped back to pass. I I remember him saying it. And all of a sudden the third quarter comes around and he goes into takeover mode. But, you know, can't win Super Bowls, you can't put the ball in the end zone off of turnovers. Their red zone offense was uh there was a lot to be desired with their red zone offense. Uh Cincinnati was only was one of three in the red zone, uh with the one with the one touchdown being the uh, mix and pass to Higgins in the first half. They were one of three in the red zone, the Rams were three of three. You score a touchdown every. T- you, you score every chance you have. In, you, every red zone opportunity that's put in front of you, you're gonna win. You're gonna win a lot of football games. Bengals were only one of three. That matters. That matters. Offensive drives. I mean, in the second half, especially after the uh, the Higgins touchdown and a, and a McPherson field goal off of uh, off of uh, Stafford's interception. I mean, they went one, two, three, four straight offensive drives punting the football. That that that's not championship level football. It's not good enough. You can't win Super Bowls. You can't win Super Bowls. You can't. You're not going to win a lot of playoff games. Four straight consecutive offensive drives ending in three and outs. Can't do it. You can't win. You can't win games. You can't win games when all where when all you muster out of two interceptions is three points. You can't win games going one of three, uh, one of three in the inside the red zone. You can't win football games going four straight offensive drives in the second half and punting them all, when, 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 sitting sitting on a four point lead, twenty to sixteen. You you ain't you ain't winning the Super Bowl playing like that offensively. You're not. You're not. And then the other thing is Zach Taylor. You know, what 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 was going through his head in the second half? You know, getting away from the run as as often as he did in the second. I mean, Zach. I mean, seriously, man. Joe Mixon was averaging. I mean, just let me just read you the Joe Mixon was averaging uh was averaging about five yards a carry. Fifteen carries, seventy-two yards on the game. Was that was averaging about five yards a carry. Why in the hell did you get away from running the football? Can 
Can he can he give me a reason? Give me an explanation for that, please. Because me and a whole lot of other Bengals fans are dying to know. Why in the hell did you get away from running the football, Zach, when it was working for you with it was working for you all night long? Why? Did you get away from the run? It was working for you. Why did you abandon it the way you did? I mean, it's it's just so freaking frustrating. I mean, the San, Franci San Francisco game takes the ball out of Burrow's hands, force feeds it to Mixon. You know, in a Kansas City game, I'm screaming like, Zach, why are we still running the football? You know, when, when it's obvious that it hasn't worked the majority of the afternoon, we're running on first down every single opportunity he gets instead of putting the ball in Burrow's hands. And then Sunday night, it's he's, run, he's throwing the football instead of running it. Rams couldn't stop the run all night long. It didn't look like that. You know, now looking at the final box score, it looks like, well, they only allowed 79 yards rushing. Well, you look at how many yards Joe Mixon rushed for in the first half by itself. Okay? He was on, he was on pace to run for about a, a, a buck 05, buck 10, buck 15 on Los Angeles. Their run defense couldn't stop outside of the final draft with Samashi Piran, which I'll get to in a minute. They, run, they couldn't stop Diddley Squat. Again, Mixon was averaging about five yards a carry, and, and Zach Taylor, for whatever the reason, abandons the run. I mean, it's so, when you want him to run the football, they don't. He puts the ball in Burrow's hands. And when you want him to put the ball in Burrow's hands, he does nothing but run the football. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it, you can never, like, what the, well, at least me, the fan, wants from off, from, uh, from a play calling perspective with Taylor, you never get it. When you, when you want him to, to put the ball in Burrow's hands and to have him throw you to victory, you put, you have him throw you to victory, he, all he does is run the football. But yeah, when it comes time for him, to, when it comes time for him to call running plays and for the Bengals to run the football, all he does, he puts the ball in Burrow's hands and all they do is pass. And it never works. So frustrating. And can somebody explain to me? Can somebody explain? Okay. Can somebody, can Zach Taylor explain? Bill Callahan explain? Somebody. Can somebody explain to me and all of us heartbroken, downtrodden, annoyed, pissed off Bengals fans out there. Can somebody explain to me why, why Joe Mixon didn't, did, did, was not on the field? During the final drive? Can somebody answer that for me, please? I'm begging you. I'll, I'll be here all offseason. I'll be here. Can somebody explain to me? Zach Taylor, more importantly, I'm talking to you. Can somebody please explain why in the hell Joe Mixon was not on the field and, 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 and didn't run the ball during the final drive? Third one, 48 seconds left. He takes Joe Mixon out of the game. He's on the sidelines, and Shamaji Piran is in. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Why wasn't Mixon in the game? I'm dying to know. This man has over, he has not one, not one little flash in the, plant, in the pan, 
multiple, multiple thousand yard rushing seasons under his belt. Multiple. It's not some guy that's that's you know that's uh, you know hopped on the scene recently that you, know, that you don't know is going to be any good. Joe Mixon is one of the most underrated running backs in all of football. He rushed for over a thousand yards this season. One thousand two hundred and five rushing yards to be exact. He's a Pro Bowler who's making good money. Can you please explain to me, Zach? with a championship on the line, why he was on the sidelines in those second and third and fourth and short situations and Samaji Piran was in the game. He wasn't injured. Why wasn't Joe Mixon in the game? Why? And Samaji Piran was. I mean, you gotta be freaking kidding me! Listen, I was wrong. I raised my hand. I apologize. I apologize for calling for Zach Taylor's job multiple times in years past. And as recently as after the San Francisco game. But bonehead idiotic decision making like this, like that, leaving Mixon on the sidelines instead of you know, having Samaji Piran in his place and the play calling on second, third, and fourth and one. Not, I mean, again, I, in in the long in the in the long term, I was wrong. But you, but but for those of you who 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 either made fun of me, laughed at, or scratched your head, wondered why I called for, wondered why I called for this guy's job after the 49er game in December and and and, and, and in 2020 and in 2020. This is why. Because he, because he, many a time, and it's too freaking often, many a times, he makes the stupid, bonehead, asinine decision making in crunch time. That leaves you as a fan saying, where, where is your logic behind this? Where, where, where does it make any sense? Where is it logical to just what logic do you have behind the decision, behind the play call, the the personnel decision that you just made? Again, did a phenomenal job this year. Phenomenal job. Got to the Super Bowl, changed the culture. This team, was, no no argument to that. But in my opt, but in my estimation. It might be time for Zach Taylor to swallow his pride and give up play calling duties. Because good Lord, with a championship on the line and about 39 seconds left, they left the Super Bowl on the table because Zach Taylor felt more compelled to, to, to send out Samaji Pirine, who the freaking Washington Redskins got rid of. Instead of their thousand yard back in Joe Mixon, who threw a touchdown pass earlier in the game. You must be kidding me. And on second and one, why are we throwing the football down deep down the right sideline? Get the freaking first down! Third one. Why is P. Ryan in the game? 
Get him out. About 40 seconds left in a Super Bowl at around, at around midfield where you're down three points. And you have a, you have a kicker who's 14 for 14 on field goal tries this, in this postseason. I don't want some ICP run on the field. I don't want him. He should be anywhere near the field in that situation. I'm not trying to make Joe Mix out to be Jim Brown, but good Lord. I don't want some ICP run on the field. I don't want him. Put Mix in. Not P. Ryan, Mixon. The fact that you abandoned the run and, and, and left Mixon out the, out the dry is a disgrace in and of itself to begin with. My God. And then fourth and one. I mean, you... You need one yard, one, to keep the game alive. And you line up in the freaking shotgun when Eric Donald has been tearing off on the offensive line for, for, for all night. You line up in a shotgun formation to pass, and you, and you only need one yard. And Samaji P. Ryan is still on the field to boot. I mean, my goodness gracious. You can't make this stuff up. One yard. Fourth and one. Shotgun. And P. Ryan, for other reason, is still on the freaking field. What happens? Aaron Donald streaming through. Gets Joe Burrow in his grass, spins around, last second heave hole before he hits the ground. Somehow find, found an open Bengals receiver. It was P. Ryan. And he couldn't catch the freaking ball. He could have dove for that and caught it. It's the Super Bowl, son. Fourth and one. Dive out and catch the football. No effort. He just he just reached out with one arm. Dive! 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 Holy gosh! A Super Bowl on the line and you just reach out your hand. You could have caught that ball! And then who can forget about the, the Tyler Boyd drop with about 6.30 to go in the fourth quarter? I understand I'm bouncing all over the place, but bear with me. You know, Jackie Smith has had to live with his touchdown drop in Super Bowl thirteen against the Steelers. You know, he had to, he had to live with dropping that pass, as the great Vern Lundquist said, you know, at the time, a classic call. Got to be the sick, bless his heart, he's got to be the sickest man in America. Uh, Wes Walker has to get up and live with himself every morning that he dropped a wide open pass in, in the second uh, giant Patriots Super Bowl. 
where if he catches it, odds are that the the, the Patriots go on and win that game. And Tyler Boyd, who's had a phenomenal season, underrated, one of the most, I told you guys, I told y'all leading up into this game that he was, uh, he was going to be a big X factor heading in and that he's one of the more underrated slot receivers in the game. You know, he hadn't dropped a pass in what, like three years, something, something ridiculous like that. Had the Mr. Reliable catches everything that's thrown to him. Joe Burrow, you know, finds him over the middle of the field. He looks up field instead of looking the ball into his glo- instead of looking the ball into his hands. He drops it, and I sat there as God be my witness. I sat there right then and there, looked at the clock. I even tweeted. I said, "Oh, I got a bad feeling about this," because I knew right then and there that that was going to be the game, and that was going to be the biggest offensive miscue of the game from a Cincinnati perspective. You know, if if we ended up, if our defense, uh, like they ended up doing, wasn't able to uh, bring it home and and uh, and stop and stop the Rams on the final offensive drive, I knew right then and there that that was that that was a a, a key focal point and a and a and one of the game's defining moments was that boy drop. You can't kill Mixon for it. He's human. It sucks. It's ironic, and it, it, it it's 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 painful that that he you know that his first drop in eons couldn't have came at a worse time. But I knew it right then that I was like, we don't lose this game. That's the catch everybody and their mother is going to be talking about, or that drop is going to be the one that everybody and their mother is going to be talking about, especially as us Bengals fans for a long, long, long time. And lo and behold, I knew it right then and there. I tweeted out the time. I said it. I said it to myself. I didn't want to believe it, but my conscience ended up being right in the end because Cincinnati's defense going to get the stop. But you knew. You just knew it. You just knew it that 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 was going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. You just knew it. You just knew it. And that, and just that, on top of the fact that. Uh, you just had that feeling that you were just watching a classic patented Bengals playoff collapse. It is is what it, as a Bengals fan, that's that's what it felt like. It felt like you were watching a classic patented Marvin Lewis esque playoff. Oh, excuse me, Bengals playoff collapse. It's what it felt like from the undisciplined, undisciplined on sports like conduct penalties. Getting hosed by the refs a little bit at the end with the dubious Logan Wilson holding call, the miss, the miscues, the missed opportunities with the boy drop pat. It had all the feels and all the likings of a classic Marvin Lewis playoff letdown game. And and it's also if you watch the video, that's part of, that's part of the reason why I, I I didn't flip out because it because it kind of because it had a very deja vu esque feel to it. It was like I've. It was like I've. I've. I've seen this movie before. I've experienced it. I've seen it live. Been there, done that. Bought the T-shirt. I know how it. I know how it ends. You know, deja vu all over again. <laughs> you're like you're. You're in a state of why am I surprised? You know, you hate to be right, but it's like I told you so. 
and not I told you so, told you so because you know that in in a good way because I was because I wasn't like saying all oh, the Bengals going to choke because remember I came on here I was pounding my chest I was like this is the most confident I've out of all the playoff games we played this is the most confident I am in this team heading into the game ironically enough the game that I'm most confident in heading into is the one that they lose ironically enough. But uh, when I, you know, I say I don't care about Aaron Donald, I don't care about the Ram pass rush, and it's like they played that back at, at during a thirty-minute halftime, in between, uh, in between, uh, in the club and uh, in between uh, in the club and uh, and lose yourself. But um, you know, they, they must have played that back at halftime, and Aaron Donald was like, "Oh, I took that personally," and they go out there and just. Just drag Joe Burrow all up and down the field as if he was some kind of ragtag doll. Just completely takes over the game. But you know, you from a long-suffering Bengals fan, you know there are just signs, just moments in a game where it's like this feels eerily similar to a lot of playoff games that I've seen before. And once you know it, you know it, it, it had the feeling, especially in that fourth quarter, had the feeling of that classic. Marvin Lewis era Bengals playoff letdown choke job. It did. It did. And yeah, they they kept the they kept the Rams in that game way too long. Again, the four straight offensive drives do nothing but punt the damn football. They can't put the ball in the end zone off of Matthew Stafford interceptions, and they kept them in the game. And I and I and I and they didn't put they didn't put the stake through them to win a Super Bowl to be champions. You got to be able to put put the stake through your opponent and finish them. Go for the jugular, go for the kill shot, and finish them. And the Bengals didn't, and ended up coming back to bite them in the ass. Plain and simple. And I tweeted out at the time. I said, "Game is way, way, way too close for comfort." And. I, I nothing bothers bothered me more than me being right during during that fourth quarter, but sadly I was. Game was way too close for comfort, and look what happened. Rams caught some momentum, and all of a sudden, ended up marching down the field. Cooper Cup, Aaron down the defense. They're Super Bowl champions. You know, and one of the things that also bothers me is, you know, the ran, the Bengals run defense was great. They won the turnover battle. Kept the kept the Rams' offense in check until that final drive, and they still lost the game. That's another angle too. I mean, the Bengals' defense, outside of that final drive with help from the referees, couldn't have played any better, and they still lost. They forced turnovers. They stopped the run. They didn't let Cooper Cup go crazy with another hundred plus receiving yard performance. They, you know, they scored about maybe what? Uh, how many touchdowns did they score uh, in the, you know, in the first half? They scored one. They scored one touchdown prior to the Cup game-winning interception or game-winning touchdown catch. Scored one touchdown. That was in the first first quarter that Odell caught, and that was it. Or did they let him score two? I'm sorry, because they fouled up the extra point. But it, it, only two touchdowns. So for as as high flying and as high powered as this, as that Ram offense is, they did a solid job for the for the majority of the night, and they still lost the game. You know, and again the loss will sting, and I will be sick for the rest of the month of February, March, April, May, June, July, and when 
and when camp opens up big time in August. And even, you know, kind of when the season starts before the season kicks off in September. Once the new season kicks off, and I won't be over it per se, but I'll be, okay, on to 2022. But for the next few months, especially leading up into the draft and the months after the draft, I I will think about this game and this loss about five times at minimum from Sunday night up until week week one of the 2022 season in September. It stings, it sucks, and I will be sick. Sick to my damn stomach for a long, long time. Had a championship right there for the taking, and they straight up pissed down their leg. And Eli Apple, I mean, good Lord. I mean, this man, burnt toast. He couldn't Cooper Cup. He couldn't cover Cooper Cup with a with a with a dish rag. For God's sakes, he was so bad. You know, when, when literally all when when NFL players who NFL and a lot of times NFL players, you know, they are there. You know, there's that brotherhood piece with them. You know, we're like, hey, you don't come after my fellow brethren of of you know within that NFL. You know, that that's that's a fraternity. You know, if you're you part of that fraternity of being an ex NFL player, you're in there for life. But uh, and, you know, and they take umbrage to when you know these these Twitter tough guys and these no names on Twitter go out there, and uh, or or you know these Twitter comedians uh, go out there and roast and and. Uh, and uh, make these NFL players a meme and call them out, you know, after bad performances and this and that. But when the average Joes on Twitter and the McCole Hardmans and the and the Tyreek Hills and of the world go out there and uh, and, and and NFL players in general join the common fan on Twitter and roasting Eli Apple, you know, Michael Thomas and that, that that that's not that's not exactly anything something to be proud of. You know? And I you know and I knew it was coming. It was blowing up my Twitter feed all in the all late night Sunday night into the wee hours of Monday morning. It was like I want to defend Eli, but I can't. You know, the guy talks a lot, a lot of trash talk runs his mouth ad infinitum. Not exactly, you know, one of the best players on the team where he can, you know, kind of get away with it. You know, let's be fair. He's not better than Von Bell, not better than Awuzier. He's not better than Jesse Bates. He's not, he's not the, he's not a better defensive player on the team than Hubbard or Logan Wilson or Trey Hendrickson is. You know, he's in the bottom of the, he's bottom of the totem pole of the best defensive players on, on the team. And he's out there and he's out there talking smack. And then he goes out there in the Super Bowl and gets absolutely torched by Cooper Cup in the second half. Uh, so, I mean, I wanted to defend him, but I couldn't. Major bid, got laying it. Heard the tune, got paid a piper. You know, if you don't, you know, if, if you if you you can dish it out, but you can't take it. If you don't want to take it, you don't have to worry about dishing it out. And when you, when you get embarrassed like that in the Super Bowl, it's hard for the Giants Shields of the world and the, and the Bengals fans. It's it's hard for us to go out there and and come to your defense when you're getting roasted by everybody and their mother, whether it be whether it be ex teammate, current player, or or the random average fan. Hard for hard for Bengals fans to come to your defense against both parties when you you know ran your mouth and you got embarrassed you know in the game's biggest stage. 
embarrassed. And, you know, Vernon Hargraves. I mean, really? Vernon Hargraves. Who? What? Vernon Hargraves? In a hoodie, socks, and slides. Gets gets called for a taunting pony coming off the bench. I mean, really? 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 In, in, in the Super Bowl. Let me tell you something. If it was my team, if I was the head coach, if I saw when I saw him do that, I'd have said, Vernon, get your ass over here. You're done. 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 You're done. Done. Pack your, sh- pack your shit. Excuse my French. Get your ass in the locker room. Carl be on the way. Get your ass to LAX and fly back to Cincinnati. And I wouldn't even have sent a car for him. I'd have cussed him out on the sideline in front of the world. Told him to get, told him to get his caucus in the locker room, and would have made him walk to LAX and pay for his own flight back to Cincinnati. In the Super Bowl, and he's pulling crap like this. You're an inactive player. Socks and slides. Keep your hind parts on the bench and act like you got some sense. You fool. He'd have, he'd have been on the next commercial flight to Cincinnati so fast, wouldn't know what hit him. And the one thing I didn't like from the team after the game. You know, the, 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 you know, we'll be back and, and you know, guys, and, and the whole we'll be back, you know, we'll be back next year, no doubt about it type of mindset. You know, bro didn't, bro didn't say that, you know, he said, you know, not guaranteed, but, but just the overall attitude. And listen, I love this team. This is my favorite and the best Bengals team of my lifetime, you know. AFC Championship game, they win the AFC Championship, go to Super Bowl. So this team is always going to have a special place in my heart for 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 the job that they did and the, and what they accomplished. And nobody's disputing that. Again, seasons of success, it doesn't negate the fact or make what I'm about to say, you know, uh, inaccurate or unvalid because of the fact that again they left the Super Bowl out there, they left the Super Bowl on the table. Case close. Left the Super Bowl championship, left the Lombardi right there on the table when it was th- when it was theirs for the taking, and they had a lead late in the fourth quarter of that game. They they left they left they flat out left it on the table, and you know we'll we'll be back. I mean, do I understand that's what me and every Bengals fan you know fuming wants to hear. I understand, like that's the attitude and the mindset that you have to have, have going into the off season, but you know the harsh reality about this business is that it's no guarantee that that they make it back. There's no guarantee that the Bengals run it back as AFC champions and are playing in Super Bowl Fifty Seven in Glendale next February. No guarantee, none whatsoever. You know. Aaron Rodgers, we all thought Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers would be playing in multiple Super Bowls, 
Go ask Aaron Rodgers, how does it feel to go, what, 11 straight seasons since that Super Bowl victory over Pittsburgh? Better Go ask my brother, bandwagon diehard Seahawks fan circa 2012-2013. Ask him, or, or Russell Wilson, while he, you know, he's bouncing around Super Bowl suites with uh, Roger Goodell with shrimp cocktail and... Uh, and uh, posing with Sierra on the red carpet. Ask Russell, Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll, any player still remaining from those Seahawks teams, if they've ever recovered or if they've ever fully bounced back from the Malcolm Butler interception at the one-yard line. Go ask Matt Ryan, Dan Quinn, Devonta, Fre- Devonta Freeman, Julio Jones about 28-3, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Go ask him. They haven't made it back the year 2017 after 28-3. That collapse. Go ask, go ask Shanahan. Go ask Richard Sherman. Ask Garoppolo. Ask George Kittle. Ask Nick Bosa. They haven't make it back when they blew a 10 point when they blew a 10 plus point lead against the against the Chiefs in Super Bowl 54. You don't even have to ask Mahomes and uh, and Andy Reid about making it back to this year's Super Bowl because. Because Cincinnati beat them in the championship game. They ever make it back? I understand that they had a rough season, but did they make it back? What about the what about the twenty what about the twenty uh the 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 two thousand twelve Patriots? The two thousand thirteen forty niners? The two thousand sixteen Carolina Panthers who finished in last place. The twenty nineteen Rams who finished nine and seven didn't make the playoffs. The only outlier is the Patriots, who you know lost in, lost Super Bowl forty six to the uh, to the Giants and made it back a few short a few years later. But even then, you know two thousand twelve when they played the Ravens again, they lost that game. You know, but they're, they're the only outlier. They lost Super Bowl to the Eagles and they won the championship, beat the Rams the next year. But again, that's Brady and Belichick. Go ask, go ask the uh, the o three o four Carolina Panthers when they when they lost in heartbreaking fashion to the Patriots or the o four Eagles. Go ask the o five Seahawks. Go ask the Chicago Bears of o six. Go ask the o seven Patriots, who you know didn't who who lost Brady week one and went without him. And in 2009, I got Brady back. Got ran out, ran out of the building in the first round by Ray Rice. Or 2010, when they got upset by uh, by Mark Sanchez and the Jets. Or I'll go ask the go ask the 0203 Raiders. Go ask the, go ask uh, the Rams after after their Super Bowl 36 defeat. Or the Giants in 2000 ran out getting dominated by the Ravens. Or the Titans who lost in 99 to St. Louis by a yard. And got upset in their building in the, in, the fir- in the first round as the one seed by the Ravens. Go ask the, go ask the 98 Falcons. The, 90, the 97, uh, you know, the, the 97 Packers. I, I can go on and on and on and on and on. Did the, did the 89 did the 89 Bengals make the playoffs? 
or excuse me, make the go back to the Super Bowl? Did the eighty did the eighty two Bengals make the Super Bowl too? Historically, it doesn't happen, and especially with this gauntlet of an AFC that they that they got in front of them. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say that it's a that this team was a fluke, one hit wonder. I'm not. I'm not saying it because I do not believe that one bit. This Bengals team is going to be good. They're going to be hungry. They're going to be a playoff team, and I'm going to make a way too early prediction and say that they're going to win the AFC North next season again. Repeat, go back-to-back as AFC North champions in 2022. But making it back to the Super Bowl, when Buffalo's out for blood, having lost back-to-back years to Kansas City and Kansas City, Kansas City still dealing with the after-effects of getting embarrassed by Tampa and blowing a 21-3 lead to Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. The Chargers going to be there if they can find a run defense that if Brandon Staley can... Not can can stop going for every single fourth down he comes across. What about them? Ravens going to be hungry. They're going to get everybody back. They finished in last place. They they're not going to forget about that about that six game uh, collapse that they had in the back end of the season, getting embarrassed by Cincinnati on the road and at home and in, in October of uh, earlier this season. Not going to forget about that. Cleveland's going to be competitive. They got a hell of a defense. Good running game. Patriots are going to be good. Playoff team from this season. What about them? I don't think Tennessee's a Super Bowl contender with as long as they're sticking with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. But still, keep in mind this is this is still the same Titan team that found a way to get the one seed. You know when they with when they had no Derrick Henry for eight straight weeks. AFC is going to be a freaking gauntlet next season. So even if Cincinnati makes the playoffs and win their division, which I certainly expect them to do so, there's no guarantee they're going to make it back. And the two big teams that I'm worried about that's that's going to be out for blood and looking to get revenge is Buffalo and Kansas City. Ain't, ain't it about time Buffalo breaks through and gets to a Super Bowl with the, with this core that they have, or 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 Kansas City just 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 based on sheer high end talent and the fact that you know the bloom is certainly definitely off the rose from their 2019 championship season because two seasons have passed and they went out in an embarrassing fashion the way that they did. No guarantee since I makes it back. Believe me. There is nobody, don't get it twisted, there's nobody in the world that would love for them to go back to the Super Bowl and run it back as AFC champions than the person that you're listening to right now. I, I, I would love nothing more than for, them, than for them to be in the same situation a, a year from now, playing in the Super Bowl, try, trying to get that first championship. But the likelihood of them going back the following season, like in 2022, 2023 following season, I, eh, I'm not, I'm not as confident. Not necessarily because of them, but because of the competition that they're going to have to go up against just to get back to the Super Bowl. And God forbid Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers jump ship and join, you know, Rodgers joint get goes to Denver and Russell Wilson becomes a Cleveland Brown. They got to add those two teams into the mix as well.
which is, again, why their loss on Sunday is all the more painful and disappointing. Because that was their chance and that was their opportunity, and they pissed it right there in their leg. Harsh thing to say, but it's the harsh reality and truth of sports. And I ain't going to get over this loss anytime soon. A long hour monologue, but what what else did you expect? You you if you tuned in for the to this show, and thank God if you did, uh, and thank and thank you the listener if you did. You tuned into the show to to hear my thoughts on how the Bengals did in this game. So if you don't listen, if you decide to not listen to the rest of the show, have at it. But that's my hour monologue on the Bengals. Take a break. Here for my thoughts. On, uh, what do I have here on my sheet? Oh, yeah, the referees. Lord Jesus. Back after this. Roses are red, violets are blue, don't a wild pube recue. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped, they're here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for this special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's the time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in the below-the-waist guru with our exclusive offer. So just go to manscaped.com and use the code SHIELD5 for 20% off plus free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just a thing every guy needs in his life to make each and every single day just a little bit more special. The number one product in this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin and get this. The trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate partners in crime. It even has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can shave anywhere your hearts may still desire. Did I mention it's also waterproof? This package also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped even threw in not one, but two free gifts. Their Shed Travel Bag and Anti-Shaving Boxer Briefs to keep your boys stored comfortably throughout the day. To complete the perfect package for your said package are liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Start your day off with the deodorant for your boys and then stay cool all day with the toner to keep you smelling and feeling your best all day and all throughout the night. And don't forget to not only smell good around your nether regions, but all over your body. Made with their signature scent, the Manscaped Refined Cologne will complement your collection with the smell of perfection. Manscaped created their products for nights just like on Valentine's Day, February 14th. So go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code the Shield 5 Once again, get 20% off plus free shipping. Not either or, 20% off and the free shipping. Just use the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use my code THESHIELD5. That's T-H-E-S-H-I-L-D-5. Be like yours truly on Instagram and shoot your shot with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. Welcome back to the uh, Metallica TIS podcast. Before I get to the referees and signed off for them, just to give you a couple of stats, 
uh, and this is and Joe Mixon became a an excellent answer to a trivia question. He was the first. He was the fifth non-quarterback to throw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Of course, the pass to T. Higgins in the first quarter on in the first. I think it was the first quarter, wasn't it? It was. Uh, that was the first quarter, I think. You know, um, against uh, the Rams the other night. Uh, on Sunday night, the others, Trey Burton in Super Bowl of Court in Super Bowl 52, of course, the Philly Special. Antoine Randall out of Hines won Super Bowl 40. Lawrence McCutcheon, Super Bowl 14. Uh, ironically, with the Rams in it as well. In Super Bowl 12, running back Robert, uh, Robert Newhouse. Uh, any other Bengals oriented stats I want to give you? Rams. One and a half yards per rush. Again, the Bengals did a phenomenal job of stopping the run. Why McVay uh, continue to stick with it? I will give you my opinion on that in just a little bit. They're the fifth team in NFL history to average fewer than two yards per rush in the Super Bowl and the only team to win the Super Bowl in doing so. And uh, that is it for now. Um, and that, by the way, that, uh, mixing touchdown, just to fact check myself, that came in the second quarter, uh, not the first, um, as, but as we move on and we shall continue, you know, I don't know how many times I have to go over this and it's like beating a dead horse at this point. I mean, dear, I mean, for the love of all, all that is holy. I mean, how many times do I have to get on here, whether it's on this show, on other shows, or on Twitter, and scream and yell about the officials keeping their big side of the game? I mean, how many times do you have to keep on going through this? I mean, my goodness gracious, it is not a difficult concept. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Keep yourselves out of the game. They kept their whistle, they swallowed their whistle, kept their flags in their back pocket for about 50, for, for, for 58 minutes and 30 seconds. Yet during the Rams' final offensive drive, when it got inside the red zone, it was whistle and flag everywhere you looked. I mean, like, do these refs not have a feel of anything? In the Ram-Buck game, Sean Hockley made sure that we knew that he was there. In the Raider-Cowboy game, Sean Hockley made it, made it known that he was there. In the Bears-Steelers game, uh, Tony Corrente made it, made it known that he, was, that he was in the building. I mean, how many times do we have to keep on going through this with these dopey officials? We watch the game, we tune in on television, the fans paid it, especially in the Super Bowl. Those ticket prices were not cheap. It cost a fortune to park on SoFi Stadium property. Not cheap tickets. It definitely costs you a little extra if you either sat in a nice seat or if you were an out-of-town uh, 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 attendee and had, and had to pay uh, for hotel accommodations and flights and Ubers and Lyfts and everything else. Rental cars. One cheap. And yet Ron Tolbert and his crew, who was silent, nowhere to be found for practically the entire game, all of a sudden made it a flag fest at the end. 
I mean, you must be kidding me. I mean, it's it's like it's, I'm sound like a broken record at this point. When is enough going to be enough? With these dopey, stupid officials sticking their beaks into the game, ruining the flow of it, and putting the diehard football fan like you and me leaving a sour taste in our mouths. I mean, you had a fair, you had a very competitive, close, tight, com, t- tightly knit football game, Super Bowl. And then get marred because of piss poor officiating. There were four total flags thrown f- prior to the Rams' touchdown drive there at the end. Four flags were thrown in the Rams' goal to go sequence by itself. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's ridiculous. Keep yourselves out of the game. How many times do you have to keep on going through this with you guys? Keep yourselves out of the game. You you cannot call, you cannot swallow your whistle, quote unquote. Let them play for fifty eight minutes and thirty seconds, and then when the Rams get the ball inside the red zone with with a championship on the line, all of a sudden start blowing your whistle every five seconds and throwing and, and, and starting to force just throwing throwing the flags. You can't call and officiate a game that way. You're either going to call everything right from the get go, or you're not. You can't call 90% of the game one way and then call the last 10% another way. Be consistent. I mean, God, I'm not just speaking it as a Bengal fan. I'm speaking as a football fan. That bothered me. And it bothered practically everybody else watching on tape. It's with, with the refs. It's, it's so annoying. Get out of the game. Stay out of it. Like that freaking official Gabe Morales on, on the check swing in game five of Dodgers Giants. Starts to stick his beak into the game and end the Giants season calling it a, calling it a swing. Can't stand that garbage. Keep yourselves out of it. The hundred plus million people watching on television don't tune in to watch Robert Ronald Ronald Tolbert officiate. Or the 70,000 people sitting in that expensive stadium. Let us watch the game properly. Not have it all chopped chopped up and, 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 and chopped up and all dicey. Let the game flow. Have it smooth. Not get interrupted every five seconds by a freaking whistle. I mean, they didn't call it. They didn't call it when Aaron Donald was lined up off sides on the fourth and one that Cincinnati decided to go go for. 
which I had no problems with whatsoever, by the way, but it didn't call off sides on Cincinnati's opening possession of the game. Aaron Donald lined up in the neutral zone with his head directly over the football. They didn't call it. They didn't call pass interference on Ramsey when he tugged T. Higgins' undershirt in one of Cincinnati's first red zone uh, drives of the game. Somehow, someway, according to Ronald Torbert, by the letter of the law, it wasn't an offensive pass interference and a face mask on T. Higgins coming out of halftime. And everybody on the Rams' offensive line moved before the ball was snapped on the, on the, on the, on the Logan Wilson holding call that shouldn't have happened. It's just, it's just it's nauseating. How in the world was that holding on Logan Wilson? How? Did he have his hands on him? Yes. A slight little tug, but it, it, had, it, it did not affect his uh, Cooper Cup's ability to, to run his route and to catch the football. If anything, Logan Wilson gets a little bit more leeway in that situation because you have a linebacker covering their best wide receiver. How is that holding? How? He barely touched him. I mean, you, you can you as a linebacker up going up against the offensive player of the year, you can't play better defense than that. And they call it a penalty for what reason? Because he played defense? Because he swatted the ball away? And it shouldn't have even counted because the Rams' offensive lineman moved before the ball was even snapped. God. It's, it's just, it's so annoying. It ruins the game. It ruins the ending. It ruins the finish. It ruins the flow of the game. That's why. That's why. What he like? I I had no reaction to it because I expected the bull crap to come out. On the one, because of playoff games of Bengals past, and then on the other hand, knowing how this knowing how this season's been officiated all year long. I expected it. Lo and behold, and it's so comical to the point you don't even see the official that throws it. You just see the play and then you just see laundry fly onto the field. It's like, oh, there it is. Flag, playing, playing defense, number 55, Cincinnati, automatic first down. Here's your Super Bowl, Los Angeles. And I'm not trying to make it sound like that the Bengals didn't officiate from bad officiating all season. The dubious officiating at the end of their first matchup against Kansas City benefited us. And they got away with, uh, apparently, they got away with, uh, with, with the pass interference penalty on Higgins to begin the third quarter. But it, it, it's, it's more than just the Bengals. It's just been bad officiating in, 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 throughout all the NFL games all year long. Whether it's Bengals, Rams in the Super Bowl or or Bears, Steelers on, on a Monday night. 
This has been a theme all year long. The rules are too subjective. They're not called properly. They're not called the same with every dif differentiating officiate, officiating crew. The rules are way, 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 way too catered towards the offense. God forbid you play a lick of defense. And there's no consistency with them. So let me get this straight. You know, we can we can review a touchdown and review if if a if a if a, if the nose of the football kisses kisses the goal line, we can review that for 18 minutes for a touchdown. Whether or not a player steps out of bounds, control going to the ground. We couldn't we can we can be all night reviewing touchdown plays, plays automatically reviewed, yet yet something as as T. Higgins yanking Jalen Ramsey's face mask going down to the ground, you can't review that either. Hold up, for, hold up the game for two minutes prior to the extra point. So the play is under review. Go ahead and look at it. Penalty, throw the flag. Fifteen yard penalty. Replay the replay the down Cincinnati. With all the money that you're making, all the technology that you have at your disposal. But again, I'm more worked up over over the Logan Wilson play. I mean, in what universe is that holding? Like Cincinnati's defense, like Cincinnati's defense, like the Rams' offense needed more help marching up and down the field against Cincinnati's defense. They don't need your help. Ref, stay out of it. My goodness gracious. I mean, times I just keep on telling you, telling these dopes they keep their beaks out of the game. And how about Roger Goodell have the cojones? He's he's watching the game in attendance. Raj, it's your product. How about having the cojones and say, you know what, guys, we're not going to refs. I understand you work for the league, and for the most part, you guys do a phenomenal job, part time, Sally, all night. But we, enough's enough. You, no one tunes in on television or or pays the expensive freight to watch you officiate a football game. Stay out of it. Unless it's something egregious and ridiculously heinous, stay out of it. And why does it rise, you know, just fix this officiating epidemic? Because it's ridiculous. It's ruining the experience of these games. To the point where hashtag rigged was trending on Twitter at the end of the game. Is that what you want at the end of your Super Bowl? For Twitter to go up and smoke and saying that the game was rigged for, for the Los Angeles team? That's what you want as a commissioner of your sport. And it's not that it's, you know, extra playoff teams... Extra extra playoff teams, extra playoff games, extra games in a regular season. Like, none of that stuff we have to kind of kind of cater to the owners because he's a bag man and he works for them. You think you think Mike Brown and the Blackburn family like the like the fact that that flag was thrown? Or how or how about or how about the McCaskies when when that player Marsh got hip checked by uh, Tony Carrente? You think they like that? Or Gail Benson, when that flag wasn't caught in a championship game against the Rams in the Superdome. Did they like that? No, no owner, no owner, executive, GM, head coach, 
player or fan wants a game, especially a championship game, no less, officiated or tarnished by, by, by bad officiating. No owner, no GM, no coach, no player, no fan wants a game ruined like that. And you would think that Roger Goodell would have the guts, would have the common sense and the fortitude to, to in the one little thing he kind of flex his commissioner muscle at, is making sure that he has the top-notch best officiating crews. And that is officials don't screw over these football games like this left and right. You wouldn't think that. Cause what? Cause what? What do the owners ha- have to protest to it for? Owners want to win. Want to win games. Want to win championships too. As much as the fans and as much as the players do. Now maybe for different reasons, but they want to win too. They don't. They don't. They don't want. They don't want their their product as NFL owners or want their team that they, that they're in charge of get hosed by bad officiating. This isn't TV contracts or extra or added games on a on on a yearly schedule. It's just officiating. And can just can something just be done about it and make sure that we don't have future regular season playoff or Super Bowls marred by just by incompetent officials. It's just not a hard concept, Raj. You don't have to worry about taking money out of the owners' pockets. Everybody wins. The fans win, the players win, the coaches win, the owners win. All you got to do is just show a little bit of power, get a little mean and nasty, flex your power, flex your power muscle and just say we're not going we're not going to tolerate this foolishness. And if maybe it requires you guys paying your ass a little bit extra money, I mean, considering with all the money that the, that the owners have going into their pockets, I guarantee you they wouldn't scream and kick and yell about that they got to pay a couple, that at least they shouldn't, you know, go out there and spend a couple extra dollars to make sure they get, that they have the best officials officiating their big-time games in the long run. It, that, that, that shouldn't be the case with all the money that they're, that's going in. It'd be, if at least from my, I understand I'm not a a, a billionaire businessman, but from but just from, from as a football fan's perspective, makes all the more sense to me. That that's that's money well spent. You know, so, so, you get you, and it's this day and age, you get what you pay for. If if I if I pay if I pay top dollar, if I pay top dollar for 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 a pair of shoes that aren't gonna wreck my feet up and and, and leave me with blisters and bunions and hammer toes, it's, it'd be worth paying top dollar for. Would I like to get them at a at a cheaper price? Yes, but if I want top quality, I'll have to, I gotta pay the top dollar, and if I end up better benefiting. You know, from that purchase on the back end, then so be it. But you got to do something about it. Have to, because it's it's becoming disgraceful, and becoming more and more every single year like a joke. It really is.
Like, seriously. It's not funny. It's not cute. It's, it's no. Because ain't see the time I got to take take time out of my show to discuss the officiating. And it, and, it, and it is not anything positive. Or something that the NFL should be proud of. I understand they're going to make billions. That man is going to watch the games. And they're going to sell out the stadiums. But at the end of the day, enough's enough. Okay, enough's enough. Got to clean up with these with this officiating stuff. It's, it's getting to be ridiculous. It, it it really 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 is. You know the Rams got away with with an obvious defensive pass interference penalty in their Seahawks game back back in uh, back in uh, December that wasn't called. I mean, really. <sighs> It's, it's got got to change, man. Got to change. Has to. It's a must. Le- league, the league needs to address this in the off season. And I hope that there's enough owners that are going to go out there. You know, whenever their off season off season owners meetings are uh, coming up within the next few months, I hope that there's a large chunk of NFL owners that are going to go to their owners meeting table kicking and screaming about about the bad officiating. You know, and, and I hope that there's some players and some coaches within these within these teams uh, that's going to go to their bosses, you know, in their end of season meetings or whatever, and say, "Oh, by the way, when you go when you go talk with your other uh, billionaire buddies and Raj, you know, in the springtime, whatever it is, tell them that we need to get this officiating crap under control." Hopefully, the players and the coaches take up on that. And hopefully the owners, by their own uh, 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 discretion, uh, do kicking and screaming to Roger as well. Because because it's got to change. That's a look you want, NFL, to have rigged trending on Twitter after the Super Bowl. That's what you want. Especially when you're in bed with, uh, with, with with these gambling companies. And the world is filled with a bunch of, of a bunch of cynical people enough as it is. Really? Back right after this. Roses are red, violets are blue, don't wild puberecu. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for this special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's the time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in the below-the-waist grooming with our exclusive offer. So just go to manscaped.com and use the code SHIELD5 for 20% off plus free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in his life to make each and every single day just a little bit more special. The number one product in this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin and get this. The trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate partners in crime. It even has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can shave anywhere your hearts may still desire. Did I mention it's also waterproof? This package also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Head Trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped even threw in not one, but two free gifts. Their Shed Travel Bag and Anti-Shaving Boxer Briefs to keep your boys stored comfortably throughout the day. To complete the perfect package for your said package are liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Start your day off with the deodorant for your boys and then stay cool all day with the toner to keep you smelling and feeling your best all day and all throughout the night. 
And don't forget to not only smell good around your nether regions, but all over your body. Made with their signature scent, the Manscaped Refined Cologne will complement your collection with the smell of perfection. Manscaped created their products for nights just like on Valentine's Day, February 14th. So go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code THESHIELD5. Once again, get 20% off plus free shipping. Not either or, 20% off and the free shipping. Just use the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use my code THESHIELD5. That's T-H-E-S-H-I-L-D-5. Be like yours truly on Instagram and shoot your shot with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. the Amatelica TIA's podcast. Switching gears now to the <clears throat> Los Angeles Super Bowl champion Rams. Uh, congratulations to Mike and EOC. And he's about the only real, true, uh, genuine L.A. Ram fan, at least that I know uh, know of, that uh, was out there and that neck of the woods uh, over there out west. And there is very few diehard, passionate, uh, real, true Rams fans. Not you, you know, freeloading, fair-weather, lackadaisical, hem-and-haw, casual-ass Rams fans. There was a lot of you out there. My Twitter feed was filled, filled with a bunch of people that went to that game and were just floored by, you know, the Rams fans that really, that walked out of the building with kind of like a ho-hum, oh well, you know, kind of attitude, not, you know, ecstatic to the, to the, to the tenth degree of the fact that their football team won a championship, Um, which is part of the reason also why, you know, why the loss bothered me, because, you know, the Bengal fan, the Bengals fans, all we got, all all we, unless you live out in California, you know, we, 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 this is all we have. You know, you live in Cincinnati, you live in Northern Kentucky, or if you mean living in Baltimore, it's all you have. You know, no, no beaches, no outlet, no outlet malls, no outlet shops to go to, no five star expensive restaurants that the big name celebrities go to, you know, uh, no uh, uh, Venice Beach, Long Beach. You know, n- none of that. No, uh, you know, no Staples Center to go to see the Lakers or to see the Clippers. No L.A. Kings or a- Anaheim Ducks with hockey. It's all we got. It- it's football, and that's it. Not to mention we live in these cold climates, then with these brutally cold winters and shoveling snow until April fifteenth. I mean, it's all we have. And you know, the Rams—they just moved back to L.A. with the, about short six years ago. Uh, the only, again, the only, and I mentioned this heading into the game on Friday, the only long-suffering piece of uh, San Fran- of uh, of the Rams was, 
I didn't mention him, although I probably should have. It was Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle. But the keys, but the key one I was talking about was Stafford. That was it. You take away Matthew Stafford and Andrew Whitworth. I mean, ain't nobody that's like ain't nobody associated with the Rams was yearning for a championship. With Aaron Donald, I mean, please, uh, uh, McVeigh. I mean, come on. I mean, it's no outside of Stafford and Whitworth. There was no player on that roster that was yearning for a championship. Oh, okay, I give you Odell Beckham Jr., but that's only three guys. You know the fan the fan base who barely shows up, uh, uh, barely they barely barely have 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 a have a fan base over uh, over the Chargers, okay. Over the char they barely have a, they barely have a little bit of a slightly larger fan base than the Chargers do. They had just moved there. Their owner's a piece of crap, and they got a bunch of fair weather a bunch of fair weather ho hum casual fans to the point where Stan Kroenke feels need to pack the place in with with a bunch of dopey celebrities that wouldn't that wouldn't know Odell Beckham Jr. from I, from Isaac Bruce. So it also bothered me. I'm like, these fans ain't going to be able to appreciate this. I mean, come on. I mean, a a they're missing a whole generation of fans. B B, you know, their fans out again with Mike and Yossi being the outlier. A, a lot, you know, there's not a real big time passionate fan base, and it's. Just, I mean, come on, Los Angeles versus Cincinnati. I mean, it's like you walked out of there of with with that with that juvenile life unfair type of attitude, which also was one of one of the other angles of how that loss bothered me. It did. I mean, well, it, it, it bothered me, you know, because then it's like, all right, all right, you won the Super Bowl, you know, Lakers can't get out of their own way. Whereas, oh, yeah, I won the Super Bowl, uh, you know, when are the Dodgers? When's Dodger opening day? Oh, yeah, okay, we won the Super Bowl. Okay, who's hitting up the beach? Who Who's going surfing? Who's hitting up the beach, you know, later tonight? Or what, what are we doing the rest of the week? Cincinnati Bengals fans, that's all we got. That's all we have. That's it. I'm not a Reds fan, so, you know, I don't, you know, my association with the Reds is, is, you know, nothing. But, you know, the local, the locals, it's Cincinnati Reds baseball and Bengals football. That's it. Throwing a, throwing Cincinnati Bearcat football as of the last few years. But that's it. Me, all I got. No girlfriends. No love interests. No ski, no expeditions, uh, snowboarding or skiing or or hitting the beach or no NBA team. I don't have a favorite NBA team. The Orioles stink. All I got, my Bengals. And, you know, in days and I'm freezing my tail off in my commute going back and forth, you know, to college and, and work and everything else. I mean, that game's going to be ingrained into my head. Meanwhile, I guarantee you, you know, again, outside of Mike and the OC and the and the few small rare breed of true diehard Rams fans out there, you know, it's going to be, you know, middle of April. You're going to forget that you, that they won the Super Bowl. But anyway, I digress. Cooper Cup, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, just sensational talents. Uh, you know, Von, boy, did that trade the give less need to GM a ton of credit going out there and getting Von Miller and just a fantastic job he did. Uh, you know, getting his second Super Bowl championship. He, of course, is an absolute lock for the Hall of Fame. 
just what a job he did. Uh, Aaron Donald, you know, just a phenomenal talent. Best def- uh, he 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 and T.J. Watt, one A, one B, best defensive player in football. Take your pick. A fantastic job uh, he did. He had in the game. Cooper Cup, eight receptions, ninety-two receiving yards, two touchdown catches, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, those three guys, just a sensational job. Matthew Stafford, one great, wasn't horrendous. Very good, 26 of 40, 283, three touchdown passes, two interceptions. Only got sacked twice, you know, gets his first Super Bowl championship, gets the monkey off his back first year uh, as a Los Angeles Angeles Ram after he, you know, got traded uh, for a bag of chips. Uh, prior to Super Bowl uh, 55 of uh, Chiefs Bucks during Super Bowl week, um, you know Sean McVay for whatever the reason uh, stuck with the run w- w- even when it wasn't working up until the fourth quarter when he finally wised up and said, "Hey, you traded a king's ransom for Matthew Stafford. How about putting the ball in his hands and having him throw the ball to the Offensive Player of the Year, receiving Triple Crown winner Cooper Cup, and ended up make, uh, paying off dividends and the reason why the Rams won the game." But, yeah, McVay wasn't exactly, you know, boy genius under any circumstances. He just, you know, uh, wised up sooner and much more uh, at a much more convenient time than Zach Taylor did for my Bengals. Uh, And the thing that also, you know, and Matthew Stafford, again, very mid throughout the entire game until the final drive. You know, Shut me up, you know, and this is a guy said overrated, Stat Pafford, the idea that he's going to make a Rams Super Bowl contender, sure about, sure doubt Super Bowl contender and win them a Super Bowl is just absolutely preposterous. Here it is, I talk all this crap about Matthew Stafford, and lo and behold, he gets the monkey off his back and wins his first ever Super Bowl, his first ever season with the Rams, beating my favorite team to do it. Doesn't sit right with me at all whatsoever, got to be honest. Uh, yeah. It it doesn't, you know. I, you know, I I'd rather I'd rather lose to the Forty ers again, or or lose to the Bucks, or lose to the Packers. I mean, lose it to the Rams. It's just I I know I it doesn't sit right with me, you know. I I'd rather have Stafford get his first victory against Buffalo or Kansas City than against my Bengals. I talk all this crap, and it says, hey Jay, you know, you know, you know, stick that in your little pipe and smoke it. You know, and go go suck on this, and he goes out there and beats my favorite team, coming back uh, in the fourth quarter to win his first ever Super Bowl uh, championship. And the Rams, in their in their entire franchise history, in their two stints in, in uh, Los Angeles, win the first ever championship, while uh, a Los Angeles uh, resident. Uh, and uh, you know, McVay made me crow. You know, me saying, you know, I'd be very nervous and very concerned about McVay. You know, how he's going to respond, you know, after the two playoff games. He was very spotty, using up all of his timeouts and the challenges in the 49er championship game. The 28-23 to to uh, uh, collapse in the, in the Buck game the week before that. Uh, and then, of course, how he got out-coached in circles by uh, in, uh, by uh, Bel- got out-coached by Belichick in circles, and he in the previous Super Bowl and Super Bowl fifty-three. And of course, Aaron Donald, I say, you know, he's great this, that, and the other, but you know, come playoff time, he's a little overrated because he doesn't have that signature moment. And he gave you what about? Uh, he gave you two of them back to back to seal deal against San Francisco and to win the Super Bowl on Sunday. You know, didn't count as 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 sacks. 
but made Jimmy Garoppolo and Joe Burrow, you know, give a one last uh, one last heave ho with their body uh, falling to the ground, and uh, you know, one of them ended up ended up being an interception, and the other one incomplete pass because Shamaji P Ryan couldn't give out a uh, Super Bowl effort and dive out and catch the football, but the result is still the same. Turnover on downs, Rams get the ball, couple kneel downs, Rams are champions of the NFC and of the NFL winning the Super Bowl. So McVay, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford making me eat crow, which uh, which stinks. You know, I'm not, you know, that's an, another, again, added piece of why this loss bothers me as much as it does. Um, you know, and the fact that Stan Kroenke won a championship after he screwed over and uh, the the city of St. Louis also bought not just that not necessarily as a Bengals fan, just a football fan in general bothers me as well. Uh, F Stan Kroenke uh, from now till Kingdom Come, uh, screw that bastard. Uh, I've I've heard enough of the whose house Rams house uh, nonsense when the when the building was Paul Brown Stadium West. There were Cincinnati Bengals fans lined up tailgating outside of the stadium. Bengals fans, you know, I heard it. I saw it throughout my Twitter feed leading up to the game on Sunday. And I saw it, you know, from reporters who were at the game, media members who were at the game at in Los Angeles leading up to the game. And on Sunday that that Bengals fans had taken over the city. And I don't hear the whose house Rams house bullcrap when the building was 65 percent Bengals fans. I mean. The, the entire building, I mean, it, might, it might as well be, again, change the name to Paul Brown Stadium West. I mean, it, you got a feeling it was a lot, a lot, a lot, 60-65% minimum Bengals fans in attendance. So I've heard enough of the Who's House, Rams House stuff to last a lifetime, especially when the place was overrun by 49er fans in Week 18 and on Championship uh, Sunday. And one last thing. You know, and I don't know if anybody noticed this during the game, but I sure as hell did. You know, I understand that Odell Beckham Jr., you know, you hear you news broke that, you know, he tore his ACL and it was a contract year for him, free agent. You know, who knows where he's going to be next season? Who knows if he's going to be able to play next season, this, that, and the other. And the fact that in his first Super Bowl appearance, you know, he, te- he ended up, excuse me, tearing his ACL in the first half of the game. And you feel bad for him for that aspect, you know, that, uh, you know, that he it was his b- biggest moment as an NFL wide receiver. He's playing in the Super Bowl, finally gets his chance, finally gets his opportunity. And he has a, what could be a, what looks like probably a season-ending injury. What is it, six months? I mean, the chances that he'll be fresh, you know, in August, September. And essentially go time from there, be slim to none. We'll see. We'll see if there's going to be a team that's going to, if there's a new team that's going to sign him and essentially let and allow him to, or excuse me, pay him to sit on IR for about six months or so, or to see how much the Rams are going to give him when the Rams are in cap hell and don't actually have the uh, the cap space to give him the big time uh, luxurious uh, contract extension. But uh, so I understand that piece, and I didn't want Odell to go down because you know I I, I came around you know rooting for him a little bit. You know, he's been on. He was on his. He's been on his best behavior ever since he he became a Ram. Had a hell of a performance in a championship game against San Francisco. Timely performances and timely plays, of course, against the Ravens, Week 17. Timely performance uh, performances and and decent games against the Cardinals and the Bucks and the two playoff games, of course, prior. 
So I feel bad for Odell when he went down and feared the worst for him and everything else. It's just him as a, as a human being and came around to act, you know, to not rooting for him because he was, of course, was always on the other side. But I wasn't, you know, rooting against him, you know, like I would if I was watching Mahomes or or anybody else along those lines. But but the but Odell Beckham Jr. You got to grow up, my guy. I mean, I understand again ACL injury. Devastating. Nobody wants to get injured in a Super Bowl, let alone have it be an injury to take you out of a Super Bowl, especially as early as it was uh, in the first half of that game, where it looked like it was going to be the Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. show, and he was just going to just just take over the game as Cincinnati had Cooper Cup locked up for the majority, if not all, of the first half. So I get that, and I understand that, and you know it affects it's a, it affects the money he's going to get in the off season, and who knows where he's going to play next year. I, so I I get that, I get that, and I understand that, and I sympathize with Odell. But at the same time, Odell Beckham Jr., my guy, you're you're, you're not a child, you're not a child, you're not a teen teenager, you're a grown ass man who's about to be a father. You know, the fact that every single time I turned around, NBC was putting the camera on Odell sitting on, standing on the sidelines with a hoodie over his head, eyes glossy, tears in his eyes, pouting on the sideline when his, when his team was unraveling, let alone, let alone the fact that his team and more specifically the Ram offense was unraveling right before our very eyes. I mean, Odell's got to have a little bit of uh, – of, uh, of, uh, some composure there. He's got to be able to maintain and have some composure. I understand you're bummed, you're upset, you're sad, you're disappointed, and you're probably in pain. But I mean, I swear to you. I mean, if I had a nickel for every single time NBC put the cam- put the camera on him, standing there on the sidelines with him either pouting like a lost puppy, or 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 his eyes visibly glossy, look like he just got finished crying. I, I, I'd, have, I'd have had about like $50 in my pocket. I mean, Odell, I get it. You're bummed, you're upset, you're hurt, you're injured, this and the other. Maintain some, maintain some composure, my guy. I mean, seriously, you're a grown man, not a child. Okay, the, 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 the Super Bowl bonus paycheck is still going to come through. Okay, you're still going to get paid. You're still going to make your money. You're still going to get that Super Bowl bonus for playing in the Super Bowl. And because the Rams ended up winning, you're going to get that bonus for winning it. You're still going to get the ring. You're still going to be looked at as Super Bowl champion. And it wasn't like you got injured first play of the game. You, you, made, you had a nice little impact in the, in the little time that you did play in that game. Caught a touchdown pass. First touchdown pass of the game. Did a, did a nice little Michael Jackson moonwalk for the whole world to see. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like Robert Woods, you know, who I guarantee you it was pain in him watching his team playing the Super Bowl. You know, they, you know, he, of course, on that 2018 team that lost to the Patriots. And, you know, he couldn't do a freaking thing about it because his ACL was blown up. You know, you, and the little time that you did play, you made a solid contribution. Still going to get paid, money's still going to go through, and everybody's going to look at you as a Super Bowl champion. That worked his tail off, changed his attitude, changed his behavior, became, I guess, a better teammate. Allegedly, if he was a bad one, whether that's reality or fabrication, you can debate it to the cows come on. You're still looked at as Super Bowl champion. Ring is still going to fit the same, and you're still going to have, and you know, when you're looking at it, whether it's in your trophy case or you're looking at it with it on your hand, you're still going to look at it and say, 
you know, I'm a Super Bowl champion. I earned this. I worked I worked my tail off for this. No one's going to sit up here and, you know, when Odell Beckham Jr.'s career ends, whenever it might be, and put a little asterisk next to, his, next to the Super Bowl he won uh, with, with the Rams in 2021. Nobody's going to do that. At, le- at least I know I'm not. I don't think anybody else is going to do it either. I understand what he liked to have played the full game. Of course, who... Who, what, what professional athlete, what NFL player who dreams ever since they're a little kid of playing in the Super Bowl and winning it, what player wants to have an injury, especially of that magnitude early in the game to the point where it takes them out of the game and they essentially got to spend 80, the 80, 80% of the game remaining watching on the sidelines. There's not one soul who I, who I know of or who I know personally that, that, want, that wants that experience. Not one, but the but at the end of the day, you're still a champion. Nevertheless, you scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. You're one of the main focal points, one of the main reasons why the Rams were playing in that game to begin with. You made a positive contribution in the short time you were in the game. Ring's still going to fit the same, and a cat and the cash and the money and the paycheck is still going to clear the same as if same as if you played every single down all four quarters. And every single time I turn around, NBC put the camera on him, and he's cr- and he's crying as if he lost his best friend, pouting on the silence with his hood over his head, with his obnoxious pink dyed pink hair, uh, like 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 some like like a like a lost puppy. I mean, Odell, you're a grown man, you're about to become a father, as Sean Payton said in Super Bowl forty and on the mic'd up Super Bowl forty four. Quit sulking, get the look off your face, and show some nuts. Okay, when your team was losing, couldn't find an answer offensively. Team was reeling, about to get ran out of the building by Cincinnati. By Cincinnati at at one point, your job as a veteran player and as a star player on that football team is to rally the troops, encourage them, light a fire underneath them, and be their biggest cheerleader. Not walk up and down the sidelines with that hood over your head. Moping and sulking, like, moping and sulking, like you lost your best friend. I that that bothered me. I mean, Odell, you're a grown ass man, huh? Gr- grow the hell up, put your big boy pants on, shake it off, move on, and cheer for your teammates. If he wants to cry his heart out and and and, and wants to and wants to weep like crazy, do it in the locker room. But if I was a Ram player or a Ram coach, I'm like, oh, Dell, you got two choices. Either go in the locker room, you can cry your eyeballs out to your heart's content. But if you're going, but if you're going to choose to stay out here on the sideline uh, with with the rest of the team, you're not going to be crying, you're not going to be sulking, you're not going to be moping. Take the hood off your head, wipe your tears off your face, get yourself together, and start encouraging and cheering up your teammates and cheering them on, and encourage them and and help them when they need your help on the sidelines. If I was a if I was a if I was a Ram if I was a veteran Ram player, I lie an Andrew Whitworth or McVeigh or whomever, I'd have been on the sidelines and told Odell that. Because I mean, I don't know if I don't know if anybody cared or anybody noticed, but ain't exactly a, a a hot look grown man out there on the sidelines crying. You know, I mean, the, the dude is I mean, the dude is is just as teary-eyed and is just as heartbroken as he was, you know, about two and a half hours after he after he got injured after the fact. 
I mean, they put the camera on Odell during the third quarter. He's just as depressed as he, as he was when he got injured in the first half. I'm like, Odell, I get it. You're upset. You're bummed. But you, you got to move on from this. Okay? Not, it's not life or death. You, you got, you got, I understand you're bummed. You're upset. But move on. Come on, man. You're supposed to be a veteran, supposed to lead these guys. You're about to become a freaking father. Uh, about, I mean, you're about to become a freaking father. Grow up. Quit crying, quit sulking, quit pouting. Get yourself together. Compose yourself. Control your emotions. If he wants to weep after the game, when the game's over, they win, that's fine. But during the game, when his team was getting beaten, his offense couldn't muster up anything, come on. You're a veteran. Act like it. Anyway. That's neither here nor there. Take a break. Come right back to close out the show. The Yama Tell I Can Tell You is podcast. Welcome back to the Yamatelki TIS podcast. Just a couple of quick notes, non-football related with the game before we say goodnight uh, and put a bow on Super Bowl 56. You know, I don't I don't know. Maybe it's because of the fact that I'm a Bengals fan and and I find things to complain about or whatever, but um uh it's just I mean with with the celebrities at the game. I mean I mean, you got, uh, um, you got, um, Charlize Theron there, um, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, James Corden, uh, who else was there at the game? I'm drawing blanks. Uh, Jay-Z, I love Jay-Z, but I mean, all, I mean, got everybody in their mother, every celebrity underneath the sun flocking to SoFi at the game. I mean... I mean, I, I mean, are we are we kidding ourselves here? And I, it's just like, I mean, it's, good lord! I mean, it's just as as a Bengal fan, a long suffering uh, that that has never that has never seen my team play at the Super Bowl, uh, play in the Super Bowl, and had an, and actually you know missed out on an opportunity to go to one. I mean, boy, that that, that really maybe it's the fact that I lost. Maybe the fact that the Bengals lost, maybe the fact that Super Bowl Sunday, I woke up, it was 15 degrees and snowing outside, and it was 88 and sunny in Los Angeles the day of the game. Whatever it was, but I mean, I got I to gotta go as a, as a diehard football fan. I, I who, never seen my Bengals play in a Super Bowl ever in my lifetime prior to Sunday. I got to turn on, I got to, when I watch the game, I got to stomach, I got to stomach the fact that Kendall Jenner, uh, Justin Bieber, Haley Baldwin, Prince Harry and his cousin, Kanye West, who had a freaking mask on, probably didn't even see the damn game, uh, th- th- those two dopey kids, North and Saint, and, and J-Lo and Ben Affleck, and I mean, Drake, 
uh, 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 Will Farrell. I mean, I, uh, 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 Sean Penn. I got a Mark Wahlberg, Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, I mean, I got a Sean Mendez. I mean, I got a stomach. I got a stomach. Uh, 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 Chip and uh, Joanna Gaines, whoever the hell they are. I got a. St- I got a stomach them. I got a uh, Rebel Wilson, who who I thought was a Chargers fan. I got to stomach them at a, at a at a Super Bowl in Los Angeles with my Bengals in it, and I'm sitting up here back east, freezing my tail off, shuffling snow, and they're out there, you know, sipping vodka tonics at SoFi in the VIP suite, and I'm and I'm not at the game, and they are. That really, 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 really bothered me. I mean, God, did that rub me the wrong way, seeing all those dopey freaking celebrities. And that's part of the reason why I can't take, you know, the rent out again. Mike and the OC, shout out to him. I had him on last week. He and a few other diehard, real diehard Rams fans being the only outlier. That's why I can't take the Ram fans seriously, the Los Angeles Ram fans seriously out there in Southern California. Because because you turn it, because you look everywhere you look, you turn around your head, and the NBC camera pans around the entire stadium. The SoFi Stadium pans around the entire stadium, and the place is loaded is loaded to the gills with a bunch of celebrities, not Ram fans. I mean, come on. That's, part, that's why I can't take the Ram fans seriously as being a big-time fashionate fan base because got to pack the place in with a bunch of celebrities just, just to get the place full. I mean, boy, it bothered me. I got to be honest. I mean, it did. Pan, NBC panning the panning the stadium with a bunch of celebrities. Here I am, the diehard Bengals fan that that lives and dies that lives and dies by my team. Can remember heartbreaking playoff losses and piss poor seasons. Piss poor seasons. Ad infinitum. Recite them chapter and verse for you. That lives and dies and breathes this stuff. Not just the fact that my team is in it. I'm into the Super Bowl and watch it and. Stuff. Study it and dissect it like anybody, like any other diehard football fan. Doesn't matter if my team's playing in it or not. It just means that the fact that my team was playing in it, the game meant a little extra and meant a little, and meant a little uh, bit more to me. But any, but like any other Super Bowl, I'm in it, and I, you know, from week from week one that Thursday night game through the regular season, staying up till twelve. I mean, I mean, was uh, did uh, did uh, Kendall Jenner stay up till till after midnight when the when the Raiders and the Chargers had an absolute classic uh, at 12.30 in the morning, uh, uh, January 9th to January 10th, Chargers-Raiders. I mean, I stay up, to, I, I sacrifice sleep when I got to get up and go to work and go to school the next day. Sacrifice sleep, staying up till a quarter to midnight, well after midnight watching these games. Freeze my tail off, you know, watch, going to games. Uh, you know, not eating and not drinking, you know, uh, uh, during, during these football games, sacrificing my quote unquote social life that was to, to be glued to the TV to, to dissect and watch these football games. And here it is, my favorite team, first Super Bowl appearance is 1988, first Super Bowl appearance in my in my lifetime, and I'm sitting up here back east, freezing my tail off with snow all around me, while while these dopey celebrities are out there, you know, 
toasting, toasting, uh, you know, their uh, their their Hennessy shots to the sky at 87 and sunny so in any in 87 degrees. Uh, sunny skies in Inglewood uh, watching the Super Bowl and I'm back east freezing my tail off. Heart pounding out of my chest. God, did that, that boy, did that piss me off. You know, I mean, all of a sudden, James Corden's a big-time football fan. The hell does he know about NFL football? The, guy, the guy's born in frickin' England. What does he know about NFL football? Charlie Sterns from South Africa. What the French toast does she know about the Los Angeles Rams? She wouldn't know Van Jefferson from Odell Beckham Jr. and wouldn't know and wouldn't know the, the Cooper Cup from uh, from uh, from from Stephen Jackson. Wouldn't know Matthew Stafford from Norm Van Brocklin. Who wouldn't know Aaron Donald from Deacon Jones? Yet she's sitting up in a suite with a ram hat on. I mean, give me a freaking break. It bothered me. I mean, the, the, the make, making the ticket prices either ultra-exclusive or ultra-expensive to pack the celebrities in, 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 at SoFi Stadium has got to stop. It's got to stop. The diehard fan like yours truly should have been at that game. Not Kendall Jenner and Charlie Theron and James Corden and Prince Harry. I mean, Harry, ain't you supposed to be raising a kid? Go go home. If you want to watch the game, watch it Watch it in your super million dollar mansion. I mean, over, over in Santa Monica where you did that dopey Oprah interview that put us all to sleep. Go, go, raise, go raise your son Charlie or whatever his name is. Want to want to watch the Rams game? Watch it on television like everybody else. I mean, he's packing packing SoFi Stadium with a bunch of celebrities, you know, so they can be seen and they can look at it as a social status. Ooh, look at me! I'm at the Super Bowl at this billion dollar masterpiece of a stadium's got to stop. I mean, Glendon Doyle, whoever the heck that, whoever the heck that person is, whoever whoever she is, is saying, is tweeted tweeted on Thursday or something or other. My wife is making me go to the game of football on Sunday, even though I already know Mary J. Blige is going to win. I mean, really? Why is she at the football game and I'm not? You want to watch Mary J. Blige sing Love Affair? Watch what Family Affair? Go sit at your super mansion and watch it. God, does that chap my behind? Got half of these dopes who half of these dopes that wouldn't know football from a lacrosse baller at the game. Yet the diehards like me gotta put up with all the nonsense and freeze. Back home on the East Coast. Bothered, bothered me to no end. I, I, I swear to you. God, did it piss me off. 
And another thing that's got to stop too that I screamed and yelled about after the that I screamed and yelled about at the end of the 17 World Series with Carlos Correa. You know the the, the, propo- the proposals at the end of these at the when you win a championship, the proposals at these sporting events as as professional athletes has also got to stop too. I mean Taylor Rapp proposing to his girlfriend on the field uh, during the Super Bowl. I mean could could you be more narcissistic and and be more much of an attention whore? It's your team's moment. You want a championship. You want to do the little proposal nonsense? Save it for Valentine's Day less than 12 hours from then. And could, could you be an attention-stealing, an attention-seeking narcissist anymore if you tried? These proposing at the end of these sporting events with these athletes has got to stop too. It's enough. It's sickening. A, first off, who cares? B, nobody wants to see that. And C, it's not the time or place. It's, it's, an, it's enough already with, with, the, with these dopey proposals at these games. Nobody cares. We get it. You're in love. Nobody cares. Do it at your own time. Save it for Valentine's Day at a private setting. Your teammates and your team and you personally just won the Super Bowl. Nobody cares. Oh, will you marry me? Get the hell out of here with that foolishness. Nobody cares. Doing it to be seen. Oh, look at me, Mr. Romantic. I won the Super Bowl. Now it's the time to propose. Piss off. That and these celebrities. I mean, I mean, goodness. I mean, what in the heck does Charlie Starin know about football? The hell does she have any association with the Los Angeles Rams? Kanye West is at the freaking thing and it's got a mask over his head looking like a freaking fool. With Antonio Brown who acted like a nutcase jogging off the field taking his shirt off in the Jets game in week 17. Just attract, attracting the most attention to him. Going to the game with a black mask over his face so you can't see him. Looking like an east end of a westbound horse. Like a, looking like a freaking circus clown. Dragging his two dopey kids. It's enough. Anyway. On, on to something that I actually did enjoy that was celebrity related uh was the halftime show which was just absolutely uh sensational i mean boy was that 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 halftime show i gotta rank it up there with 48 bruno mars went the first time 50 with bruno and beyonce um and prince as one of the as one of the now the Justin, the second Justin Timberlake one wasn't necessarily great, but it was one of the ones I most enjoyed because I'm a Justin Timberlake fan. But that's up there with one of my favorite slash greatest halftime shows I've ever seen uh, in my life uh, with, with, with Dr. Dre, Snoop, uh, Slim Shady, uh, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J, and uh, and uh, Fifty who made a surprise appearance singing, uh, or excuse me, rapping in the club. 
Uh, it was just a fantastic, fantastic halftime show. I mean, I I loved it. I loved every. I knew every, I knew all but like two songs. Mary's second song and Kendrick's first one. Outside of those, I knew every song uh, by heart. The lyrics, whole nine yards. Loved every song uh, that that performed. You know, uh, with with the piano, with Still Dre. Uh, at the end, lose yourself with lose yourself with Eminem. Of course, one of my favorite songs of all time. I wish he, Eminem could have performed. Uh, could, you know, it was only truncated. Only did the first verse. I wish he did the first verse and he did the uh, the last verse because the last verse really is like the is the best verse of the song. Kind of like the crescendo uh, of uh, of the song. You, you know, you get like goosebumps when you hear it, especially because it's Super Bowl and it has like a lot of like inspirational value to it uh inspirational merit to it i love that uh mary j with family affair uh you know mary j one of the uh, the queens of r&b a fantastic job uh you know Cal dr drace uh rapping his verse from california love um of course who of course you got um of course you got uh uh um What's this song? Uh, you got still, still, st uh, still Dre, um, uh, yeah, still Dre, uh, still Dre. That they they got another one that's uh, slipping my mind. I got what was this? I gotta go back and look at the set list because now I'm uh, I'm drawing blanks. But it was just an absolutely fantastic, 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 fantastic halftime show. You know, I've been watching. You know, I've seen every halftime show that I, you know, the ones that I found interesting. I've seen every one since uh, since Prince and Super Bowl Forty One, Colts Bears. I've seen every one. The next episode, that's the one I was forgetting. Uh, uh, I've seen every one. You know, I didn't see. Um, I didn't see. You know, when Tom Petty did Tom Petty, I didn't see. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, I didn't see live. I went to bed right before Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I've seen that. That one was pretty good. Um, I saw the Who. They were they were they were good. Black Eyed Peas. I I've seen Madonna took a pass. Beyonce, my mother didn't want didn't want me seeing it because you know, ten years old looking at a you know a cladly dressed Beyonce at that age. But I've seen it since, and that one was fantastic. Uh, Super Bowl Forty Eight, Bruno, of course, was just an absolute masterpiece. Forty Nine, Katy Perry, not Katy Perry, not my cup of tea, but a decent performance, nevertheless. Super Bowl Fifty, of course, with Bruno Mars and Beyonce performing my favorite Uptown Funk was fantastic. Fifty One with uh, Lady Gaga, not my cup of tea. I, you know, I guess to each his own. Uh, Fifty Two with Justin Timberlake, of course, who's my favorite. Fifty Three with. Uh, with uh, Outkast and Maroon 5 was was very mid at best. Uh, 40, 44 with Shakira and J-Lo had no interest, did not watch a second of it and don't plan to. I mean, the NFL had a golden opportunity to give us to give us a little bit of pit bull and they decided to go with uh, Shakira and J-Lo. I mean, J-Lo is more known for her movies. And when was the last time you heard a Shakira song play on the radio? Uh, and then 55, The weekend, uh, you know, no interest. I, I, I like a couple of his songs, but no interest, didn't see it, no interest in seeing it. And, of course, Super Bowl 56 was just absolutely off the charts. And that was the first Super Bowl halftime show that I've seen 
where walking away from it at the end, I go, that's it. Like, uh, that's it. That's the end of the show. That's, that's, that's the end of the, like, that's, that's, that's it. Like, that's all you're giving me. Like, I, like, I wanted more. Like, I, I wanted an encore. I wanted more. I was like, and, and, and this is speaking volumes, you know, as, as speaking as a Bengals fan. Again, first time seeing my team in it in my lifetime, I was like, we can push back the second half about another 20 minutes to a half hour. Like, I, I wanted to see, I wanted to see more. You know, I, let me, let me hear uh, Mary J sing, uh, sing Real Love and Baggage. Let me, uh, let me hear uh, Snoop Dogg and D.R.E. do uh, Ain't Nothing But a G Thing. Let me hear, uh, let me hear uh, Eminem do uh, Without Me or the, or the Real Slim Shady. Let me hear, uh, let me hear Kendrick Lamar do uh, D- let me hear Kendrick Lamar do DNA, uh, humble. Let me hear, uh, you know, let me, give me, um, let me hear, um, let me hear, let me, uh, hear 50 cent do uh, best friend or uh, 21 questions. I wanted more. I mean, it was just, I mean, it's crazy. I'm a Bengals fan. I was like, we can push back the Bengals game. I mean, since, since you got me here, I might as well hear, hear more of these legends. I mean, and that's what they were. I mean, that was music royalty and, 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 and just Hall of Fame hip-hop, Hall of Fame rap, Hall of Fame music at its very finest. I mean, if you didn't like that... I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you you don't you don't like you don't like music because that was just I mean, Chef's Kiss. It was just so freaking phenomenal. I mean, I could have sat back and listened to them perform for another twenty, thirty minutes. Hell, I pushed back the second half for an extra hour. I mean, they were that good and that off the charts. I mean, they were just absolutely sensational. the 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 stage the stage design was unique. Was something different. Uh, was was fresh something I've never seen before. Fifty Cent making a surprise appearance, rapping in the club was was definitely something unexpected that I enjoyed. I mean, it was it was it was it was it was it was, it was fantastic. Seeing Anderson Pack making a surprise appearance on drums during "Lose Yourself" was was something different. I mean, just a phenomenal, 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 phenomenal performance from uh, from top to bottom. I, I got I got no complaints. The only complaint that I have is that I wish that that they could have squeezed in that final verse of uh, "Lose Yourself" there at the end, and and that the performance was was uh, was too short. But they had a time constraint. There was nothing that they could have done about it. But I, I had little to no complaints. I mean, it was just absolutely sensational. One of the best halftime shows, again, that I've ever seen. I love the fact they decided to go, you know, mix, mix in a little Kendrick Lamar. I'm glad that they decided to go uh, to go with the theme of late 90s, early 2000s uh, hip-hop and R&B. I love that theme that they decided to go with, with, uh, with, Eminem, with Eminem, Dr. Dre, uh, Snoop, and Mary J. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Loved it absolutely loved it uh you know hopefully uh you know i I, hopefully they like try to continue with that 2000s theme you know next year it's in glendale maybe you know they can you know kind of shift the tie to r&b to 2000s uh to 2000s r&b singers you know so you have like you know chris brown usher uh neo and 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 throwing and throwing you know 
and throwing Pitbull in the mix and, you know, go from there or, you know, maybe throwing Ariana Grande, see if she wants to do it. And, you know, it sticks, although she's not a 2000s artist, she's 2010s, but you get the idea. You know, I I try to, if I, if I was, you know, Jay-Z and the people with, involved with the halftime entertainment up at the league office, I'd continue with the theme of, 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 uh, of 2000s hip hop and R&B. Because you stick with that, I mean, you, you, you see if you can drag out as long as you possibly can. Because you got a lot of artists out there that are big time A listers that haven't performed at the Super Bowl before. That uh, you know that you, that you have to choose from. Can't ask Beyonce to do it for a third time. But uh, you know you got you got plenty. You got plenty. You can't uh, do Mar- ask Mary J to do back to back. But you got 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 a lot of. Uh, a lot of artists to work with when it comes to who decide who who's to decide for next year's Super Bowl. Also, like the fact that they took advantage that they were in L.A. and took advantage of the L.A. West Coast theme with uh, D.R.E. and Snoop. I, I love the fact that they, that they took advantage of that. It, they you know they did some a little similar. They didn't execute it as best as they possibly could. Pitbull was a better option than J Lo and Shakira with Super Bowl in Miami two years ago. Um, uh, and, uh, and the one in, and the one in, um, Atlanta, I think, I mean, they did invite outcasts, but they could have, you know, and had Migos and a couple of other, uh, Atlanta based, uh, rappers. Now they tried to get them and they couldn't because of the stance with, because the protest with Kaepernick and everything else, but they try to go for a little bit of a theme, uh, with the Super Bowl down in Atlanta, and, you know, where were they going to go for the one in Minnesota? Prince, the biggest one out of Minnesota, was passed away, so they tapped on Justin Timberlake to do it a second time. But all in all, a very, very good halftime show. And again, first one I've ever seen where I was like, give me more. You know, push back the start of the second half an extra 20 minutes to a half hour. Give me more. You know, let me hear, let me hear uh, more of the crew because I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it just that much. Um, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you do yourself a favor and go on YouTube and see it. I mean, you will, trust me, you will not be disappointed. It was absolutely sensational. As we tie a bow on the 2021 NFL season, it's Super Bowl 56. As as another episode of the Amatella Cotillia's podcast in the books. If you're new to the program, like what you heard, please subscribe if you haven't already. This has been the Amatella Cotillia's podcast with Jai Shields presented by Manscaped. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore it T-I is. It's your boy Jai Shields. I'll talk to you later this week. Y'all stay safe. Talk to you later. See you.